coming to you from that galaxy far, far away. This is the Star Warriors podcast. And on tonight's episode, this is Chris. And this is Rocco. And we are back for our monthly discussion of the Marvel Comics titles. And we'll be getting those in a second. But Rocco, let's talk a little bit about some uh, cool news that happened with Star Wars this week. We got That's uh, why I'm here. (laughs) And that's the meaning of our existence, Rocco. And that's true. To kick it off, we got some castings for Kenobi. Let's get into a little bit of news here. Uh, Kenobi starts production this month. Are you excited? I'm I'm very, very, very excited. I'm excited about the cast. I'm excited about the show. And with the Clone Wars being my favorite era in Star Wars, I'm really hoping to get a lot of live-action flashbacks with Hayden Christensen being cast to reprise Anakin. Absolutely. That is one of the biggest casting news for this show, I think, that came across the board and what really got me excited for it even though i'm kind of skeptical about how they're going to treat this because you would think that would be such an insular story to tatooine that nothing would really happen with obi-wan but maybe it's flashbacks maybe it's just memories who knows so i don't want to get too much into like oh well they're gonna do this because it's so easy to do sure especially with star wars it's it's so so easy to do, but I just I feel like if they said Hayden Christensen is going to be cast as Darth Vader, do you know what I mean? Then it would be like, all right, so they're going to put him in the suit. Um, that's cool too. But they specifically said Hayden Christensen will be playing Anakin Skywalker, and the only thing to me that makes any sense is those flashbacks. But again, just like you said. We can't sit here and really just say they're definitely going to do this. And we don't we don't work for Lucasfilm as much as we want to. Not yet, at least. Not yet. Right? Maybe they'll call us someday. Let me just run through this cast list sure. real quick. Um, this guy named Ewan McGregor is playing Obi-Wan Kenobi. I never, never heard of him. Never heard of him. So hopefully he's good. Hayden Christensen, the biggest return since... I don't know. I don't even have a good joke for that. Do you have one? <laughs> since the, the greatest return since Ewan McGregor. Or the Jedi. Oh, God. Missed that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Moses Ingram. Uh, Joel Egerton, who plays um, uh, Owen. He'll be returning yeah. to that role from his uh, episode three. Also, Bonnie Piesse. Uh, I don't know, but she plays Baru. Uh, mm-hmm. Kumail Nanjiani. I hope yeah. I, I know him, but I don't know how to pronounce his name. <laughs> Kumail, Kumail Nanjiani. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. I always I'm like the name butcherer around here. I, uh, I he just have is it. he is fantastic. I want to speculate on him. I think he's going to play an alien and they're going to keep his voice. And I his voice is so it's so distinguishable and it, it's so part of his character. And I don't I'm not saying he has a funny voice like to make fun of him or his culture. I'm saying he literally has a a fun and funny voice. When I hear it, I love it. And I I love because I love his brand of comedy. I think he's fantastic. I'm so happy he's attached to this. I can't wait to see that. I mean, just looking at his profile picture on this lineup. I mean, he's got he's just doing the funny face. So, looking forward to it. Uh, Then we got. Indura Verma, uh, another Game of Thrones veteran who is throwing uh, her head into the ring here. And a lot of speculation who she might be from flashbacks to Satine and whatnot. So what do you what do you think about that? I think that it is owed to Satine 
uh, the, the Duchess Satine. I think it is owed to her that we see her in live action. I think it fleshes out so much of the story of Obi-Wan and Anakin um, with that arc in Clone Wars and how Obi-Wan battled with the same thing Anakin did as well at one point. And I think that 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 adds so much color to their relationship. So I think it would be so cool to have that on a live action screen. Absolutely. And just it keeps making me think that we will get more of these flashbacks. And that would be a great way to handle this show. Just him kind of reminiscing in the desert uh, over over a lit fire. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. uh, also Rupert Friend, I guess that's his last name. Um, Mm -hmm. O'Shea Jackson Jr., Soon Kang, Simone Kessel, and Benny Safdie. Any or Safdick, sorry, Safdick, maybe not Safdick. That sounds rude. Um, <laughs> what do you uh, What do you think? You had a little speculation pre-show about one of these actresses. Yeah, Moses Ingram. Um, apparently, she tweeted something that said, "I got I got to play with lightsabers." Now, being Attached to any Star Wars anything really lends the benefit of the doubt that you're going to come in contact with with lightsabers, even if like I bet Harrison Ford as Han Solo was backstage, like swinging around Luke Sky Luke Skywalker's lightsaber to be fun. You know what I mean? So she could just be referring to that. I mean, Obi-Wan has a lightsaber. Maybe she fooled around with that in the backstage, but she said lightsabers and if they're going to do flashbacks, my girl is going to have to be there. And I think she's going to be a young Ahsoka, a Clone Wars, maybe like the older version of Ahsoka towards the end of Clone Wars. And to see Ewan McGregor, Hayden Christensen, and her as Ahsoka, the three of them standing together in live action, you're about to see a grown man cry. Because in the cartoon, in, in Clone Wars, it was always the three of them. Absolutely. And it gets me really excited because I I got I bought into these hot toys, these Clone Wars hot toys, and they used the Hayden Christensen head for it. And that made me it it just kind of drove me crazy because I like the Matt Lanter Anakin, but when you really it is the look of Hayden and uh mm-hmm. I would love to see him in that Clone Wars get up for reels. Yeah, so do you mean the figure the the vintage series Clone Wars? Where it's it's like Hayden Christensen, but in the cartoon versions, like costume. Is Correct. that what you mean? Yes. Yeah, I have that as well. Yeah, yeah, really, really excited for that. So fingers crossed, fingers crossed. Absolutely. Uh, so that starts production this this month. Uh, so we'll probably be getting some behind the scenes stuff, some spoilers. So if you're into that kind of stuff, keep an eye on the internets. Uh, also, this week we got our next trailer for the Bad Batch which really kind of got into what the story is going to be about, about the team on the run from the Empire. Uh, and we got to look at Rex post-Clone Wars even. So this mm-hmm. this show is, I'm really, really pumped for this. I mean, it is the next season, the Clone Wars, basically, and it looks gorgeous. Yeah, the animation, I, I love the update on the animation. I love the way they did it in the final season of Clone Wars. It, the animation was updated, but still stayed true to the original animation, which I loved about it. You see that again in Bad Batch and the story. I just want to know about it because it's a transition period. And I think it's a transition period 
that their books have touched on, comics have touched on, but there really hasn't been like a show or a movie that really gives us that nuts and bolts of how the governmental transition went, especially when it comes to the clones. The only thing we know is from, I believe, Rebels, when Rex said the clones were decommissioned. Uh, They started opening it up to just whoever wanted to join up. There's also that Ahsoka book, which is arguably in or not in canon, um, depending on people's point of view, which also spoke about the same thing. So I'm really excited for them to lay some like some real foundations for that time period. A lot of people say, let's get out of it. I I honestly I love the Civil War. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Um, You know, like I said, I'm I'm clone. The Clone Wars is my favorite time period. Um, I love the Clone Wars, but. I'm obviously Galactic Civil War, duh, that's the basis of Star Wars started, you know, with the Galactic Civil War. But to see the transition from the Clone Wars to the Civil War, I think is I'm excited. That's that's what I'm looking to get out of Bad Batch, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. 100 percent. How long how many seasons do you think it will be your prediction right now? Oh, boy, Um, I think Bad Batch if it's not just one season, I think they'll do three. Something like kind of like resistance was resistance. Yeah. Was, yeah. Like was two, not go overboard, but just tell a good story. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Two or three. I think it could be definitely. So, well, awesome. Can't wait for that. May 4th. It's coming Star Wars day. So everybody get ready for your next dose of that galaxy far, far away. But we are here to talk about comics tonight. So let's get right into it. Uh, we are going to be talking about March's books, which is going to cover Star Wars number 12, Bounty, Hunter, Bounty Hunters number 10, Dr. Aphra number 8, and The High Republic number 3. So everybody out there listening, there are going to be spoilers. So if you're not caught up, you may not want to listen to it right away. But if you want to learn what's going on, we're going to talk about it. And we're going to get into it right now with Star Wars number 12. And so Star Wars is being written by Charles Soule, who is kind of being the uh, the orchestrator of many things Star Wars uh, yes. for the time being. Uh, and with art by Ramon Rosanos and colors by Rochelle Rosenberg. And so we are in what is called, uh, it's called Operation Starlight. And this is chapter four, Reflections of the Lost. And so last time our, our heroes suffered a disastrous mission aboard the Tarkin's Will, and they had to leave Shara Bay behind. And so we open this comic to Leia uh, with the Rebel fleet, and she's looking out the viewport, and she's thinking about Han Solo, of course, who's you know in Boba Fett's trunk, as I like to say. And she says, <laughs> and she says, I won't give up hope. And this is the one thing about Leia is the theme of hope. And then Kess walks in, and yep. they start to share stories. And I, I love this issue. What did you What did you think about it? I really loved how it was a direct link between the original Star Wars movies and the sequel trilogy, because he talks about Poe. He talks about how he met Poe's mom. It fleshes out Poe as a character as well, because you're learning about his parents. So you learn kind of you know where. He gets his dad being stoic and his mom being crazy, um, but crazy like heroic, you know, Um, and that was valued in his family, which obviously lends credence to him. And then you have 
Leia telling a story of their time on Echo Base. And I thought that there was there was so much beauty to that. I found myself smiling and chuckling while reading this little story she told about Han. And all I'm saying to myself is this is so very Han. Like they captured him so well. Honestly, this I, I loved this issue. I, I loved it. Yeah, it's funny that it carried the entire issue, these two stories they told. Uh, so we have we have the story of of how um, how Kess met Shara, and mm-hmm. so he's he went to Galater three, and he's watching a Crest Racing. Now I love it when they introduce these different these mm-hmm. different events in Star Wars, from swoop bike racing to pod racing, now Crest Racing. Uh, it just adds more and more stuff to that world. But he bets on this racer, and he ends up winning or winning, and she wins, and he goes down, and it's Shara. And they get a drink, and the rest is history. Uh, so it's a it's a really kind of a cute story because it's just it's one of those things where if he's if he's talking about this, he says what what do they say? It's like a beautiful disaster, right? Something like that, yeah. <laughs> and I just that that term right there. It's funny to watch, like to look at the two relationships and see how how similar the characters are, and that they can share kind of the same space and the same the same feelings um and the thing about the hoth story i liked was the quote that she says he's a smuggler because he likes it he's a rebel because he's han solo and he doesn't leave because he he cares right and that's the thing like he'll complain and he'll complain about everything, but everybody sees it. Everybody sees the complaining. But then, what he what does he do? He backs it up with who he truly is, and he shows how much he does care and how much he goes above and beyond for the rebellion. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I mean, what I love is the when when you say that, but you have a theme of it in in the writing or in the movie or whatever it is. Um, one thing that caught me that goes that I thought about when she said that quote at the end, the quote you just said, she says it towards the end of the comic when she talks about Han Solo, he'll complain and complain, but he's a good person. It made me think about earlier in the comic where she said it got so cold, they pushed everyone onto ships and she said things got really cramped. And then Han goes, why the hell do I have to have the Tauntauns? And was flipping out about the Tauntauns being on the Falcon. And when Leia does something that he complains about, he looks at the Tauntaun and says, you know, ridiculous. Like he's he's bitching about the Tauntauns being there. And then he commiserated with the Tauntaun. And I thought that that was like, oh, I, I, you know, the word adorable comes to mind that like, oh, Han, like, you know, he, he's he complains about the Tauntauns being there, but, you know, he doesn't want those things to die and he's commiserating with them, you know, and I thought that that was so funny and so well done that went along with that theme, if you will. It was also funny that she was like, well, they smell better than your ship does. So yeah, it's not like they're going to make the ship smell any yeah. worse. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. They, uh, it's I, I've always liked the relationship, and I mean, ever since, ever since a new hope, you could see the way they just really played off each other's. And I mean, that comes down to the actors, of course, delivering mm-hmm. that and setting that tone for years to come. But 
the way that Soul writes this, he does such a good job capturing that, as you said before. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. I just, I I love when Charles Soul writes these books. I think that he has a really good grasp on on writing Star Wars and writing these characters and knowing who they are. So I'm happy to see that he continues to uh, tell, you know, add these little stories into the story we know so well. But we didn't know that Echo Base almost got destroyed because the generator broke down and that Han had to save everybody, almost risked his own life. Uh, So we have even more evidence of Han Solo being a hero. Absolutely. Absolutely. I I love this book. And so at the end, uh, after the stories are done, a signal comes through the the secret channels, and we find out it is Shara. She is uh, she's alive and well, and her, the Tarkins will, as she says, you know, star destroyers are like mini cities. So she's able to hide and and keeps keep herself secret. Uh, but it's left kind of open because she's there slicing the systems, and we're not sure where that's going to lead to uh, into the next episode. Exactly. So we, uh, we, we actually do have a break from this book next month. Uh, it will be returning in May. And yeah, I saw that. The, uh, I guess the theme here will be all these books. Uh, most of them are leading into War of the Bounty Hunters, which I know you're very excited to talk about as well as I am. So uh, yes. one more month, one more month. Uh, so good times, good times. Uh, next up, we have Bounty Hunters 10, uh, number 10. And that's by writer Ethan Sachs with art by Paolo Villanelli, with colors by Arif Prianto. We're reading what's called the Terminus Gauntlet, and we're in mm-hmm. Chapter 3, A Desperate Gambit. And last time, we are left with kind of a crazy scene uh, where Valence had taken an X-Wing and started to fight off these the Onaka gang who were attacking a transport. Uh, but then we learned that there may be a double agent aboard who is making this all happen for some reason. And we will talk about mm-hmm. that in a second because all of this comes to light. But we we start this book with another flashback of Valence in the um, in the Empire. Uh, he's just been seriously injured. He's lost his leg. Uh, we're starting to see where he's being, he's going to be put together as a cybernetic being eventually. And he's being told he's, he's never going to fly again uh, by this Imperial officer. As the Imperial officer walks away, we see Han Solo there, and he says this line, you certainly have a way with people. And that's a familiar line, isn't it? Oh, yeah. it's uh, he. Leia said that to him. That's right. Um, Jesus, like I can, I, I can hear her voice saying it. I'm trying to remember the, the scene. It was in uh, Empire Strikes Back after he punches Lando. And they were oh, there. that's right. Yes, in the cell, when they were in the cell. And it's funny when they'll reuse these quotes and that's such a, it is such a Star Wars thing to do. And whether it's, I have a bad feeling about this or whatever. I like that kind of stuff. It's just, it's Star Wars to me for some reason. Some people might not like it, but I think it's a fun little reference. I love it. I love anytime they do that, especially if it's done correctly. In this instance, obviously done very correctly. We find the Rebel crew has been captured by the Onaka gang and Captain Scrag and Dangar have boarded the ship and they are interrogating these people. Uh, so then we have Valance, who is being basically John McClane in this entire issue. And that's what it reminded me of. It's like, this is diehard. This yes. is action porn, as you like to call it. And I've 
coined that term from you many times since uh, one of these episodes. But um, I thought the lead up to this is cool. Uh, I did not realize that Captain Strag was a female, I don't think, until this issue. Maybe I did before, but I definitely did this time. Uh, yeah, same. I didn't. I actually, I'll tell you, I didn't know that she was a female. And now, obviously, reading this, I was like, oh, OK. I, it doesn't bother me. I just didn't notice. No, no, exactly. I just it was kind of funny because I was like, did I miss that before? Mm-hmm. But I guess I didn't because you you saw the same thing. Also, we learned that that Hondo has basically lost control of his his gang. Yet yep. the gang keeps the same name, which is kind of interesting to me. <laughs> I think, though, that they're like they're riding on the name. The name is what strikes the fear, even if Hondo isn't involved they want to keep the name you know they're they got the licensing if you will <laughs> right fear the onaka clan so exactly why not it's been around for 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 decades now i imagine so another part of this book is we go to rusan and we meet tonga again and her girlfriend lasha tonga knows she's she wants to go she wants to head out and basically she says it's not for revenge but we know that uh, she's not very happy with Bubba Fett. So we're sure. pretty sure this is going to lead also into War of the Bounty Hunters with her. Uh, so Lasha decides to join her. And also they're that ne- Neku or whatever, that cat creature that we meet from Attack of the Clones that, yep. that they fight the arena. And it's like, it's kind of cool because I always like animal companions in in books. Mm-hmm. Uh, so back to the ship. Uh private sprawl she breaks uh all of her co-crew free uh and then valance she saves valance basically after he's been ambushed and so they sabotage the ship and the power's down and we get even more john mcclain stuff going on but uh at this point captain hill purpura and scrag meet up uh this is dangar's inside man we learn so this is this is our double agent. We knew from the issue before that there was something fishy going on, but uh, we we learned that he's an old swoop buddy of his from uh, Corellia. Uh, so it's kind of funny because uh, same thing with Han Solo. So I wonder if they all know each other. Yeah, I uh, I don't know. I mean, for nostalgia's sake, it was cool to see Dengar. I don't know. There's a lot of people that are like, oh, Dengar. I love Dengar. Dengar never did anything for me. I mean, it's cool to see him. It, it, it harks. It takes me back to my favorite movie of all time. The Empire Strikes Back. You know, I don't hate Dengar. I just like I. he's here. Um, You know, he's to me, he's a plot vehicle for, I think, what's leading us to Bounty Hunter War or War of the Bounty Hunters or whatever it's going to be called, Um, especially the way this book ended. But I, I guess we're not there yet. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, I was. I was a quote unquote rebel when I was a kid or I, or so I thought. So I was always like, I'm not going to like the mainstream people or characters. So Dengar was like one of my first AOL names. No joke. joke. Uh, (laughs) Which is funny. And now I actually carry it over. I think I carried it over to our Star Wars group at one point, but uh, whatever. (laughs) uh, Dengar and his, his mummy wraps. They want to steal the transponder codes for every ship in the rebel armada. And so he's him and Captain Hill Purpura and and Strager trying to get that arranged. But the power gets cut and we flash actually over to Forlam and Zuckus, who find yep. the uh, the X-Wing that Valance sent into hyperspace as a trick. 
And so using an old guild frequency, they're able to actually track where Valance is. So they believe that, oh, he's made this mistake. We can go find him now. But I'm sure it's for alternative motives. And again, leading to War of the Bounty Hunters. But the big thing here was that after Valance ambushes Scrag, what happens is Dengar tells Valance about Han, and Valance does not know what had happened to Han up to this point. And so now we're starting to see where everything's coming together yep. uh, because Han helped him, saved him, and now Valance feels this, as we predicted, this loyalty to go and help Han uh, because Boba's taken him to Jabba the Hutt. So that's what I really liked. I mean, we are on the fast track to War of the Bounty Hunters, and everything so far has gotten me really excited to see where where this is going to lead us. Uh, because yeah. even this next this next issue is kind of a step away from the main story. It's a Bosque centric issue. Yes, because we got to know what happened to Bosque leading up to War of the Bounty Hunters as well. Yes, I, I'm what I'm feeling after reading the last few kind of books that seemingly are leading to this War of the Bounty Hunters is a feeling of kind of like Smoke and Aces. Remember that movie? I do. Where all of these killers and bounty hunters are going to go after a single prize. And and Boba Fett is like, you know, his ward, if you will. Like, you know, he's the one really, in essence, is going to be protecting Han Solo right now. But he's not really protecting him in the traditional sense. He's protecting him as his prize. And we're going to get all these people going after Boba Fett and Boba Fett being backed into a corner. And I think we're really going to see Boba Fett in action here. Um, but what I love is they're all going to have their, their own reasons. They're all going to have their own little reasons why they're going after this prize. Valence to save Han. Dengar is obviously very jealous of Boba Fett. So we've got that. Tonga and, oh God, I can't remember her name. From the same book, Revenge. You know what I mean? They're all going after Boba Fett for a different reason. And I think that that's what's going to make this so cool. Yeah, because I always, I, I really didn't feel Boba Fett had much of a challenge. Even in Shadows of the Empire, I don't remember being much of a challenge. It was just more concentrating on get like the Sheezer story and, and that side of things. And Boba Fett was just kind of floating along maybe i'm not remembering it right but it wasn't really like this and this really gets me excited because they've revealed a lot of these these variant covers and whatnot for mm -hmm. uh the upcoming comics and i i shared that wraparound comic which is like everybody at once like converging into into like a big brawl and uh that kind yeah. of stuff i just i can't wait because i think it's gonna be uh pretty epic and it's gonna span all the books Oh, yeah. So that's that's Bounty Hunters 10. Uh, so we're going to take a quick commercial break and we'll be back with more Star Warriors. DFAT Comics is the publishing branch of Don'tForgetATowel.com, the only place to travel geekly. Focusing on creator-owned and independent titles like Hollowed, Pursuit of Plastic, and Fairy, and many more. DFAT Comics will be a mix of genres appealing to every kind of reader. Join the new source of comic book entertainment with DFAT Comics. 
Need more context on your favorite movie? Is Obama. Obama, okay. Senator Obama. Ever wonder why they did or didn't do that thing or include that scene? This is prime. Like, this is perfect quality entertainment. Check out Gutsy Media Podcast as my friends and I take a deep dive into everything from blockbusters to indie films. The weakest apple cider bitch beers. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. That's Gutsy Media Podcast for everything movies. Hey, come take a seat at the campfire. You're not the only one who joins. I've got friends that come over sometimes, too. We talk about a ton of interesting things from geek culture. Then we cover some conspiracies or philosophical thoughts or monsters. You know, we talked about Bigfoot in one episode. It's a lot of fun, so come join me at the Campfire Chats, a DFAT entertainment podcast hosted on Spotify and other fine places you find podcasts. We are back with more Star Warriors, and this is Chris. And this is Rocco. And we are talking March's Marvel Comics. And so we're going to jump right into Dr. Afra number eight. Uh, this is written by Alyssa Wong with pencils by Mink, Mink Yo Jung, inks by Victor Olazabra, and colors once again by Rochelle Rosenberg. She's getting a lot of work these days at, on the Marvel mm-hmm. Star Wars titles. That's awesome mm-hmm. to see because I love the colors in these comics. So good, good job there. This is called The Engine Job, and we're on chapter three, Old Wounds. We actually had just recapped all of after last episode and we had mixed feelings about it. I read, didn't really, really read most of it because I kind of skimmed it as I wasn't enjoying it as much, but I'll, I'll admit this, this issue was pretty good. Uh, it was exciting. It brought in some really cool high Republic deep digs. Uh, Mm -hmm. so let's just jump into what happened last time. The Taj Corp hired, uh, hunters to bring in Afra. And now Afra is working for Domina uh, to steal an experimental hyperdrive tech. And so she teams up with Sana Staros, who we know from mm-hmm. the uh, the first run of Star Wars as Han Solo's first wife. Uh, and so they are running against General Vakora of the Unbroken Clan, who is also after this hyperdrive tech. And yes. so we're on, what, Dolar, Dolar Hyde. It's a forest planet. And it's kind of neat because there's always like derelict ships uh, smashing the trees and whatnot. And we find wanna... out. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no. Uh, the The name of this planet struck me, uh, Dollar Hide. Um, and I want to know if there's any connection to a writer and the movie Red Dragon. Um, because the, the serial killer's last name was Dollar Hide and it was spelled almost just like this planet is spelled. So I'm wondering if someone is like a fan of the Hannibal Lecter series uh, with red dragon and name. Cause like when I saw that, I was like, I just immediately like, Hmm, that's weird. I mean, I know this is tangential, but I'm just saying like that name really like, Holy crap. So if you're listening to this, let us know if you find a connection, if, if anyone does or, or knows the connection to that. I think podcasting and tangents go hand in hand. So that's fair. I like I like that reference. What if Alyssa Wong was just watching Red Dragon in the background and was like, "I need a name for this planet." So yeah, there even you go. that. There you go, Alyssa Wong. If you're listening, please please share the insight with us. We'd love to know. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it ends up one of these ships is actually a Nile uh, battleship. So that's our 
really deep dive here from the uh, deep dig from the High Republic because did you get the feeling like we're going to start seeing this this hyperdrive technology from the High Republic time come into play in the current in the current time because it doesn't seem like a lot of that carried over right these secret these secret paths and whatnot. And I know it's a brand new thing that's being introduced and they're able to bring and kind of tie things in. But what do you what are your feelings on that? Just like uh, you mean the the whole the way the Nihil kind of jumped through hyperspace through their own like, yeah, I mean, I what I like and I've always liked about Star Wars is that they'll reference things in, in multiple different places to kind of fit it into the story and they do it in a way that's not sloppy. Um, I mean, once in a while they're a bit sloppy, um, but I don't think they are with the way they're kind of inserting um, high Republic because you kind of have to, because if you're going to say this is the past and you're going to introduce all this new stuff that really shouldn't be quote unquote new because it's supposed to be the past then you're going to have to pull it up somewhere in the future. And what better way to do that than the comic books? They're monthly periodicals, right? Mm -hmm. And we can read them and we can put those things together. So I think it's smart. I think it's a smart move on their part. Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny because the High Republic is kind of a shiny, nice universe, right? And then we get into this broken universe eventually after the fall of Republic and follow Jedi and whatnot into the, the time of the empire. So it'll be interesting to see as the high Republic progresses to kind of see where they leave things and if how things fall out of, I guess, knowledge in a way. So, yeah. uh, so there, there's this rumor that a character named Remy had already found that hard drive and sold on Corellia to Bayol de Ruet. I have no idea what this name is, but they, her, uh, Afra and Staros, decide that they're going to go down into this into this tree, get into the ship and check things out for themselves. So I thought that was uh, I thought that was pretty cool uh, because it's an adventure. They're just going to go in there and it's it's a plot device, of course, but it does set things up really well for how they end the comic. We do flash over to Lucky, who we knew had betrayed them. Uh, he's on Canto Bight, another tie-in to you know the Last Jedi, a nice reference to the sequel trilogy. Like you just said, uh, just keep bringing this stuff up and making the world more connected. He's there. He assassinates this this one person, and then he runs into Ariel Yu. Uh, she taunts him about his brother. Uh, then they both go meet with Wen Delphis, and that's kind of left to what's going to happen next. I'm sure with maybe War of the Bounty Hunters and, and this and that track. Who knows? I'm not really too attached to those characters, honestly. No, and I'm trying to be. I'm trying mm -hmm. to be attached to the characters in this book. And like I've said before, I loved Afra in the Vader series. She held her own, and she was great. And in her own series, I don't know, man. I just, this was the best book so far. In yes. the entire series, but I'm still not sold and I'm still not loving that. I'm reading Dr. Africa because it has Star Wars written on it and it's in the universe of Star Wars and I love Star Wars. But, 
even though this was the best book, I'm just waiting for it to get better. And I, and I hope it does. I, I don't know. I'm not trying to be negative. I just, this is the, this is the redheaded stepchild of all the star Wars books coming out right now. Cause they're all good. Yeah, I agree. I absolutely agree. I think one of the best things about it now is with son of Staros, And now they're establishing that the two of them have known each other for a very long time. Uh, basically since I guess they said since university or whatever. Yes. And so the way they bicker, the way that their characters interact with each other, it's enjoyable. And I think that is, is actually brought a new, a new aspect to this book that I can enjoy more about it uh, because I do want to know more about, about Staros. And I do like Dr. Effort because it does kind of deliver a different side of the Star Wars universe than we've seen, or we're used to, you know, like this archeologist or this treasure hunter who, who's out for, you know, she is out for herself, you know, and yeah, oh, she yeah. is. I'm just going to say that. <laughs> so by the end of this book, of course, uh, they get they get ambushed by General Fukura. Alfred downloads the engine diagram because when they got there, they learned that it's not it's not there. And so whatever uh, inside information they had received was true. But they are, like I said, they get ambushed and they decide that both of them, they have one grapple hook. They're going to jump together. They miss and they fall into the abyss as the general destroys the ship and leaves them for dead. And they head to Midar after the hard drive, leaving the two of them, their fates unknown until the next issue. <laughs> yes. <comics> well, do. <laughs> I, I mean, the book is called Dr. Afra, so I'm feeling pretty confident that they're okay. I also think that Han's ex-wife is going to be a plot device. To, one of the plot devices to bring Dr. Afra into War of the Bounty Hunters. Because it's all about Han being in Carbonite. And I think it adds yet again another separate reason to track Boba Fett down. Which I think is great. Like I said before, it's not just that all these people are going after Boba Fett. It's every individual reason as to why they are, and they're setting that up very well. And I think that this would be another reason for it, that this person was strategically put in this story. And I, I really like the way they're doing that. I'd say with Dr. Aphra, that's my favorite. That's my favorite thing is, is how they're using these characters. So, yeah, it's a really good point. That's it's, it is very smart. And I would hope that that's how they do it exactly. I think that Boba Fett's about to prove why he's the most dangerous person in the in the galaxy. Uh, I mean, he comes out of this pretty much unscathed, as we know, in Return of the Jedi. So I'm looking forward to seeing where all of these paths converge and what happens in one month. One month. Yes. So, but we have another comic to talk about. And yes, we do. And that one is outside of this post-Empire Strikes Back period. It's actually a few hundred years before that. So Yes, it is. We we just did an episode, our group episode, about the High Republic. And we did cover this a little bit. But I feel that I want to talk about the High Republic on a regular basis during this show. Because we should really just talk about all the Marvel titles. Absolutely. Especially, especially when Darth Vader doesn't have a title this, this or an issue. Oh, uh, that's my only complaint this month about the titles. They were, I think, they were all overall. We had a we had four great books this month. 
Um, but I was really missing Vader. That's my man right there, and I missed him. Well, only 27 more days, Rocco. 27 more days. I know. <laughs> We're doing the episode on that day for April. Good. I'm gonna read it, do it. So, but let's uh, let's talk the High Republic number three. This arc is called "There Is No Fear." Uh, we are in chapter three, called "Down Below," and down below they do go. Uh, so this is written by Kevin Scott, uh, with inks by Mark Morales, uh, art by Ario Anandito, and colors by Annalisa Leone. And so last time in these books, uh, we we've met Kreef. Is it Kreef? Keith Keith Trennis, right? Trennis. I don't remember her first name. I just call her Trennis. All right. Trennis is now a Jedi Knight, uh, previously the Padawan of Skier, the Tranocean Jedi Master. Skier. Skier. <laughs> so last time they were, they found this derelict hut warship in orbit around a planet. Uh, when they boarded, they were attacked by a lone Nile. Nile. I'm going to do it all the time. And so Skier actually brutally kills this Nile, and which really surprises everybody. Yes. Uh, so we kind of see the beginning of this downfall that we experience in this in this issue. Uh, but we 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 are meeting the twins with Tarek and Seret, and when they get to Sedri Minor, uh, the planet that this next issue takes place on, one of the twins, Seret, vanishes, and as we learn. A lot of these other inhabitants of the planet have all like four of them from this village have disappeared as well. So there's a mystery to be solved. Yes, I I need I wanted to jump in here quick. Sirit and Tarek, they are the first non-binary. Pro, uh, what is it? Uh, prone. Uh, there's some. Their pronoun is they. They're non-binary. They're. It's a first for Star Wars. They're releasing a special cover soon um, for transgender awareness. There was a post that Star Wars did, and they were talking about this. Um, I, I think you may have seen it as well. Did you see it or no? I did, yes. Yeah. And um, it was, I'm proud to be part of a fan base and part of a fandom that wants to include everyone. It's not about transgender it's not about um non-binary it's not that's not it's it's the fact that this fandom wants to include everyone everyone gets to be represented in star wars and i i think that that in itself is something to really be spoken to for this fandom um and and if you're if you hate that if you have a problem with that you're not really a star wars fan you're just not, and I don't care. But yeah, you bringing up Sarah and Tarek made me think of that, uh, and I, I think that that's fantastic, and they're getting a cover, and uh, it, I'm going to get a copy of it. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree with you. And the more that we... It's not, really, it's not even about addressing it. It's just, it's just putting it out there, making it a normal thing, and we just need to move past this hate. It, when you look at science fiction... And you look at things like Star Trek or Star Wars and these mixed galaxies and all these different creatures and these different beings and you and you read that stuff. But then you still hold on to like this, this very hateful spirit. I don't really understand that. And I, I, I feel 
I feel saddened by it, and I feel saddened that people are still like that. And I hope that things like this will help people become more aware of how to treat people, and that not everybody fits into this this mold. You know, so I always thought that about science fiction, and I hope that people will eventually come come around to that. But absolutely, absolutely, I don't want to get too far on that. Um, back to the story, but at the same time. I just I think that Star Wars, Marvel, Disney um, should be called out for making a good decision and representation in the Star Wars universe. I just I think that that's really especially right now is very, very important. So it's a beautiful thing. 100 percent. 100 percent. So back to High Republic three, we find Tarek freaking out on the ship. Avar Chris has arrived. Avar Chris is the Jedi Master who is now in charge of. She is the what is it like the Sheriff of Starlight Beacon? I don't. That's yeah, the right yes. word. But um, she she's taking on that role, and now she's here. Uh, and the Marshal, so, the, the Marshal. Thank you, Marshal. That's it. It was it was like a it was a cowboy term. I knew it. I knew it was like yeah. a. <laughs> um, but we see Skier and. His his demeanor is getting darker and darker. And this is something that Avar Chris does notice. So Trennis is outside standing guard of the ship. And she learns from the locals that others, like I said, have gone missing. Uh, and that the planet is quote unquote cursed. That their crop is rotting. And then this, this guy called Cal Solman, he butts in. And he obviously is kind of like this kind of jerk guy. I don't know if he's like trying to cover things up, but he's just like mind your own business, blah blah blah. But then they mention how they found their grain on that hut ship, and things are kind of starting to make sense a little bit here. That things aren't really what they seem. That maybe somebody's uh, somebody's pulling a fast one over on their own people. But that's not really the the overall story of this. What happens is. Trennis decides to investigate alone. She meets this kid, this very like wily kid named Bartol, mm-hmm. and she feels a shadow. And then they find this sinkhole. And of course, being a kid, Bartol jumps right in, and Trennis has to catch him with a force. And they go down into, mm-hmm. into the hole, uh, setting up what's going to come next. Then we find out that Tarek has finally passed out. Uh, Avar tells Skier that it is the dark side. And why doesn't he sense it? And if you read light of the Jedi, you know that he lost his friend in one of the battles and ever since the, and his arm. And ever since that, he's been on the slippery slope of going to the dark side, but there's something on this planet affecting the Jedi. Oh yeah, definitely. And I do like though, that even though he lost his arm, like it was mentioned, Oh, it'll grow back because he's a transition. Um, so instead of them giving him what they typically do in Star Wars, which is some type of droid feature, a hand, which is most popular, or like, a, you know, an arm, like for Anakin, with the transition, it does. they don't need to do that. He's, he's just going to grow back. So I thought that was funny. But yeah, there's something going on on this planet. And uh, it's very, uh, uh, really, I got a lot of Poison Ivy vibes, being a big Batman fan. <laughs> With good reason as well. They go down to the hole. And 
what happens is Trennis is starting to become more and more overwhelmed by the power of the dark side. And then they hear, I don't know if like it's out loud or it's in her head. You will be consumed. All will be consumed. And then they find Sarah and the others captured in these roots or vines. The kid, uh, Bartol's friend, Julius, uh, Rodian kid is dead, but they find Sarah alive. And when Sarah awakens, they say, beware. And then uh, the roots start to attack them. Sarah says, no meat is safe. And then all of a sudden, you know, Drangar appears out of nowhere and says, not from the Drangar. <laughs> and so we have our first real look at a Drangar because they have showed up into the dark book, but this is the first time we get a real visual of them. And man, I would not want to run into them underground. No. So this is where I didn't read the books. So I was a little lost as to the import. I, I'm just thinking this is some weird ass alien from this planet, but this is, this is a plot point in the books from what I'm understanding. So Maybe for some listeners that are like me that don't, can you give us any more like context for these creatures? I am only so far in into the dark. Okay. And so I, I think we just got to the first part where they really start to hear the dranger and what it is. I, I know what it is because I accidentally watched that little short video and kind of spoil it for myself, but I don't care because I kind of, with this and with the book, it was going to happen eventually. So it sure. was kind of cool to get that insight. But they are plant beings who are strong with dark side power. Uh, not not necessarily Sith, but what happens is they can take possession of beings, especially Jedi, it seems, and possess them and make them do what they like. So they will either eat you or they'll use your essence against say your friends or whatever they like. So so oh, wow. on the ship, Tarek wakes up uh, during this whole thing, knowing of what's happening because of the connection between them uh, with Sarah and, uh, and Tarek and sprays this black stuff all over Skier, which is really kind of weird. I Yeah. It was really freaky. And I really, I, I keep hearing like, into the darks not really had doesn't really have horror elements, but I don't see how you can't relate that kind of stuff because this book was was very, in a way, horrific in a yes. in a in a, in a thriller horror type way. I mean, you have Jedi being possessed by these plant creatures is basically like invasion of the body snatchers, mm -hmm. and um, I think it was just a really cool cool scene how it happened, especially when Avark just comes through the ceiling and cuts it in half. Um, yes. That was, that was cool. So she comes to the rescue. Of I like Trennis. her. Right. I, um, she's been my favorite so far uh, with her fourth song, uh, her, her influence in, in light of the Jedi. And now I don't know, I don't want to call this a shoe into this book to make her more of a familiar character, but her being here is great. I think. Uh, yeah. And that scene alone where she comes down is awesome. Oh yeah. So all of a sudden we see two more show up and what do you know? Skier is possessed by them and that's where they leave it, where they're about to have to face off against a possessed Jedi master, a Tranushan, no less. Exactly. And I, I like the cliffhanger. I'm not thrilled that I have to wait 
um, you know, because I'm not a patient person and I want to know more. Um, but this was definitely a good book. I think that High Republic is starting to get its footing comic book wise. You know, the first issue was really jarring in my mind because it was like there wasn't so much story. I, I didn't know what the hell was going on. Um, the second book, you know, was better in that instance. And then the third book, you know, we're starting to get our footing now. We're starting to get our footing into the story. We're starting to get our footing into the characters. And especially if you haven't read the books, like I haven't read the books, they're starting to get there. Now, I know with comics, especially with new characters, it's hard to do that. You have, you know, there's no basis. There's no framework. Like right now, you could start a new run of Batman and start at Batman number one. And you have a basic knowledge of Batman. I have a basic knowledge of Batman. You could plop us in the middle of a Batman story and we'd have some understanding of what was going on. But these characters, especially if you haven't read the book, these are brand new characters. You don't have any frame of reference of the creatures, the planets, anything that's going on. Um, so I think that that made the first one difficult, for me at least. The second one got easier. And now the third one not only got easier, but it was, it was a really good book. And honestly, I think this was a great month for Marvel Star Wars. We got four really good books and High Republic that's very new is just starting to really find its footing. And I'm I'm really, really enjoying it. Yeah, it's 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 funny because today they announced a couple more more things for the High Republic. And we've been waiting because you 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 told me this is a six issue series, right? It's a it's a limited series at this point. It is limited. I don't know. Uh, my local comic shop guy doesn't know if it's six or twelve yet, um, but it's not going to be very long. He's he thinks it's most likely going to be twelve, and then it's going to branch. Right, because what I like about this, even though they have characters that have been in other books, Trennis is the is the center of tension here. Mm-hmm. Seems to be the main one who is not really mentioned i don't even know if she's mentioned that at all in the other books from what i remember and so this gives her kind of her spotlight in this story justina ireland book and a a nile audio drama coming so i imagine they're going to be announcing more stuff from wave two and i i wouldn't be surprised if we got another announcement of what's coming next for the marvel series yeah that would be that'd be great um i mean but all in all man I'll say it. I've said it once. I've said it twice and I'll say it again. You know, this is a great month. We missed Darth Vader. And I think that maybe the Marvel gods were like, we're not giving him a Vader this month. So this shit better be on point. (laughs) And mission accomplished. Mission accomplished. Absolutely. I, I enjoyed all these books, even Dr. Raffer this month. So here's same. Here's the, here's the March. Uh, we'll be doing April's show probably at the end of the month on the 28th when Darth Vader drops because in May, the War of the Bounty Hunters begins. And I can't wait for that crossover. Cannot wait. Oh, uh, hell, yeah. hell yeah. And so, um, Rocco, why don't you tell us a little bit about the, the show you host? Yes, uh, I host a little uh, show called the Critical Mass Podcast. We are uh, a political satire show. You know, it really shouldn't be listened to by anyone. 
it's just awful and deranged. Um, but if you're a person that is awful and deranged, then the show is right up your alley. Excellent. That's that must be why I enjoy it so much. Makes sense. Uh, you can you can also catch uh, myself on Tele Talk. It's a weekly to biweekly geek news. Also, Rocco and I have been doing bonus episodes for that. You can check out the latest one about DC Future State. And we hope to be doing more comic book based ones as well. We've been talking about that. But you can find all these shows and more on the DFAT Entertainment Podcast Network. And so it's a brand new thing that we launched this year. A bunch of us have different shows from different genres, and we all came together to unite and and have one network to rule them all. So check out Defense Entertainment, check out Critical Mass Podcast, check out How I Talk, and Rocco, we will be back in a month's time for more Marvel Star Wars. I'm looking forward to it, Chris. Awesome. Great show tonight. And for everybody out there listening, may the force be with you.